message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go C1. And how many of you are ready for part two of I Heart My Church? Come on. We've been, how many of you have just enjoyed Ross coming up for that outro transition to close out service? Now, he was upset with me last week because he said, Pastor Mike, that was wrong what you did to me. This whole place was bawling their eyes out. God was doing something. I came up there and was like, hey, guys, who's ready to go to the next part? And everyone's like, I guess. <laughs> and so we're working on that. But you know what? People are responding because God is in this place and he's our guest of honor. I'll tell you right now, I'm just going to tell you before you find out on your own, I am an idiot. And I'm not here to give you my, my opinion. I'm not here to say something that sounds good. I just want to tell you what this book says. And do you know that we gave away 48 Bibles in the last two weeks? I had this realization, like, if I was a new believer on the island, where would I get a Bible? Like Walmart? You know, and, and it, is it the right translation or whatever? And so 49 of you guys have a Bible and we only have three more because I bought the first case thinking they would last and I'll buy more and we'll just keep giving out Bibles. So if you need a Bible, we have one for you. And we have these V1 notebooks because we discovered that there was this highly demonic activity happening every time we tried to take notes on our phone. And boyfriends that we hadn't talked to in years started texting us and girlfriends and all this drama I just calling it demonic. Everyone got freaked out. They're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but but we believe in, in taking notes, and, and we love Scripture. And, you know, this is going to be a short two-hour sermon I'm going to preach, okay? But <laughs> take your time. I love you. I have a new favor here if you want. But, but the thing is, I can only do and say so much. We want you to read the Bible every day. Say every day every day. You can only do so much here, okay? And all this is is to get you started on this journey throughout the week. And on the connect card that you receive with the bulletin today, there is actually a reading plan that can help guide you. Because maybe if you're a new believer, you open up to the book of Numbers and you're like, this ain't for me, God, I'm sorry. Or the book of Leviticus and you get real scared trying to read it. So there's a reading plan to help guide you as you're on your journey and you have that on your bulletin, okay? So right now, we're just going to pray leading into this next uh, this next portion of the service. And uh, I'm just so excited to jump in. So, Father, I just say have your way in this time. God, prepare our hearts to receive your word. Lord, I'm not about giving my opinion. Just help me get your mind and your thoughts and your feelings translated into this barbaric language of English, God. Let it be some something that I say that just does something that was not able to be done by any other relationship in their life. No other way possible, God, but just by the foolishness of preaching and just speaking the simplicity of speaking your word, that change would take place and wounds would be healed and people would forever, ever, ever be different and walked out of here saying, I am so glad I came to church today. And everyone said, amen. So you guys can be seated. Oh, you guys are awesome. Let's just welcome everyone who's listening by way of the podcast right now. Last couple of weeks, I've tripled that track a lot. So it sounds like a huge stadium, put some reverb on it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some of you, I shouldn't have said that. You'll listen to find out, right? Last week, let me just quickly recap. Last week, we learned that New Yorkers love things, okay? We learned that they love Billy Joel. New Yorkers love Billy Joel, 
right? And we talked about how it's so hard to try to like convince somebody that that's not an occultic experience going to a Billy Joel concert. So when people are like, man, you're all in on that church. That's so weird. It's like, well, how is that any less weird than a Billy Joel concert you go to? You spent a thousand dollars there, right? We love that you guys love pizza, but that your dirty secret is that you love Pizza Hut. No, no, no. That's when you all turned on me because I went too deep into your psyche. And you also learned that this church is a huge fan of the Jets. Okay, see? I know my crowd. I know my audience. You know, before we go any further, though, let's just give it up for my man, Evan, who's on keys every week during the message. I said, son, just sit down, receive it. I'm going to rebuke you, correct you, discipline you from the mic, and just take it all in. (laughs) We have my man, Kyle, here. Can we give it up for Kyle from Florida? I'm not going to make fun of him. It's complimentary to like make fun of the person playing keys. We're not going to do it. Not today. But we love him and he's awesome. And he tore it up during worship. And, and, and so it's just amazing to see what God's doing here in this place. And, and last week, another thing that we learned, and this is the big one. Callan, help me out on the screen. Church should not be tolerated. It should be celebrated. We are celebrating church. I mean, here's the thing. Jesus would never lead you away from the very thing he laid his life down for. I mean, this this was his plan. And you're like, his plan was to recline me and refine me in this movie theater? Yes, it was. Thank you, Jesus. There's an underground church in China suffering, and you're in a recliner. But God is meeting you where you're at. And the only thorn is on the rose we gave you. Come on. But we're celebrating church this morning. We're celebrating that we get to be a part and participate in this. And every single day I'm reminded by my own human frailty that God calls the imperfect people, the world, to display his perfect love. So if you came with some mess and some garbage in your life, I say welcome to the club. The message of the gospel isn't clean yourself up and then come to Jesus. It's come to Jesus and let him clean you up because you cannot do it in your own ability. Amen. You can start taking notes whenever you like. But here's the thing. There's, there's a couple, there's about five things with it being Mother's Day that all mothers do. And I'm about to call you out. And if you raise your hand and you said, I want to become a mother, whether that's, you know, through adoption or whatever God does in your life, these are some things that you are going to learn. Number one is that you all mothers sniff tushies. I don't even know if I spelled that right. I've never, as a grown man with a beard and tattoos, I've never spelled the word tushies or tushes. But in it, tushes, I don't, I don't even know. But have you ever watched a mom in mid-conversation pick up a baby, sniff, open the diaper, sniff it, and put them down like nothing ever happened? Isn't that the weirdest phenomenon? Some of you don't even realize you did it, but as somebody who is a non-mom, I'm a non-mom in the room, it's weird. And it's like, did you just sniff a butt while we were talking? (laughs) You all do it. Number two, I'm just going to keep going because I actually have a message in all this. And some of you are like, what is this, comedy hour? Last week when we were rushing out with all the gear, somebody in the crowd that was waiting in the line to see the next movie said, was there a magician in here? (laughs) They looked at all of our stuff and they're like, certainly this couldn't be a church. Number two, you all pick noses. Yep. And, and, and it's like, and here's the weird part about that, because I'm going to change it. Some of you guys are getting grossed out. Is that some of you deep down inside, you can't say this out loud, but you actually get this deep satisfaction from it. Like, yes, I got it. 
some of the mothers like you just felt that feeling again while I said it. That's how weird you are. Number three, you check for breathing. That's like a thing, right? I remember doing that because they're so little and you don't see their chest moving. You're like, they died. I'm the worst parent ever. Like it was that easy for them to die. <laughs> like they just stopped breathing. Um, and it's creepy when you check. The, the fourth thing is you narrate life. Julia, that actually, this is something I have watched my own wife do, and I actually feel sorry for her a little bit. It's like even without kids, we're on a date, and she's like, we're paying now. We're going to pay now. We're going to pay the bill now. And I'm like, yes, we are, Julie. Yay. So all moms narrate life. <laughs> you know you do it because you just get so used to, like, all day you're with kids. So it's like, we're going on a date now, Julie. <laughs> and the last thing is all moms, I'm going to flip it now, know just how to remind you of who you really are. Can I get a big amen for that? You know, moms have this uncanny ability to bring you back to your true identity. Am I right? Does anyone have one of those moms that's like Mick from Rocky and they're in your corner and you want to quit and they're like, come on, you know, you're not going to quit. This is who you are. And moms have that uncanny ability to do that. And do you know that God does too? Let's look at John chapter 10, verse three. There is scripture in this message. It says, to him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Everyone say, by name. Now, you all have a name in this place. But did you know that most of you actually have an almost name as well? You all have a name, and you have an almost name. It was the idea that your parents had before they settled on your real name. Julie's almost name was Candace. And she's like, <laughs> sometimes she's like, is it weird to think that you could have been married to a candy? I'm like, that's weird. That is weird. My mom, who's a hillbilly from Indiana, almost named me. Now, check this out, because my, my last name's Signorelli. Buongiorno. Como stai? But we're, we're faking it, right? Like the real Italians are here on Long Island. And every time they see my last name, they start talking to me in Italian, and I have no idea. But my, my mom almost named me Giovanni. That would have been, that's the hillbillified Giovanni Signorelli. <laughs> he gonna be something. That name is fancy. <laughs> and my almost name was Giovanni. So can you imagine Pastor Gio? You'd be like embarrassed to introduce me, right? You're like, his name's Giovanni <laughs> Signorelli. <laughs> and uh, we all have an almost name. And so we're going to learn a little bit today about this naming scenario that went down that's kind of humorous, kind of crazy, kind of miraculous, and it's in Luke chapter 1. And so for those of you who are just learning the Bible, this is what it looks like to be around the book of Luke. And there is no shame in the table of contents while you learn it because there's 66 books, right? So go to the book of Luke, and it's chapter 10, oh, sorry, chapter 1. And we're just going to begin to read starting verse 59. And if you have a phone, it'll help you get there faster. But there's no shame in taking notes. And I gave a Bible to a couple a couple weeks ago, and they were like, Pastor Mike, we felt so bad because we couldn't keep up as you were going through Scripture. And I said, man, just write it down and look on the screen and participate. And then this week, take it a little bit deeper. There's no shame in that. I got some pastors who probably wouldn't be able to find it. So 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I take that back, Lord. Delete that from the podcast. All right, so (laughs) when Elizabeth was full term in her pregnancy, she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives, seeing that God had overwhelmed her with mercy, celebrated with her. On the eighth day, they came to to circumcise uh, the child, hello, and were calling him Zachariah after his father. But his mother intervened and said, no, 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 no. He is to be called John. But... They said, no one in your family is named that, named that. They used sign language to ask Zechariah what he had wanted him to be named. So they turned to the dad and asking for the tablet, Zechariah wrote, his name is to be John. That took everyone by surprise. Surprise followed by surprise. Zechariah's mouth was now open, his tongue loose, and he was talking, praising God. So let me kind of put this in context for you so you can understand it a little bit because it might not make that much sense. My name is Michael Thomas Signorelli Jr. because I was named after my dad. And we have any other juniors in the room by any chance? No? So one, uh, <laughs> Papa. But, but the name in ancient times, especially in this context of Judaism, determines so much more And so the name actually determined your vocation. It determined your expectation. It literally, in a very tangible way, determined your destiny. Like your name actually coexisted with what you were called to do in life. And so you have Zachariah, who was a priest, and that was his daily duties consisted of the priestly duties. And so as he was going through the daily motions, you know, that set up the expectation for when he left, when he came back, and, and who he was in life, and how people interacted with him, and, and, and how people responded to him. And it was all, all centered around that. And it's funny because I love this. Because it actually says that before the name was revealed that a crowd from the local community had came around and already began to call him Zachariah. Isn't that funny? Now, I can say this now because I am a New Yorker, but how many of you know that Long Islanders can be very nosy? Like you could park in a neighborhood to visit your friend and come back out to a note on your car that says, who is you with a Z? Right? You know that. Some of you are the note writers. You need to put scripture on it and get deliverance. And we have some nosy people. So what happened is, and, and I'm looking back at this in, in Luke chapter 1, it says, when Elizabeth was full term with her pregnancy, her neighbors and relatives, seeing that God had overwhelmed, they celebrated with her, but then they made this mistake. It says they were already calling him Zachariah after his father. Now, how many of you know that depending on what family you were born into, most of you in this room were already born with a predetermined existence? And, and there was already expectation that was put on you. You're, even with the best intentions. I mean, they probably thought it was cute to be like, oh, look at this little Zachariah. He looks just like his dad. But the problem with that was there was too many expectations that did not align with what God had for that life. And so even in your own life, there's probably a cuteness to it. Oh, look, little, little Mikey. You know, I was a junior, so there was an expectation that was placed on me. And some of you guys know my story who are in this room, but my dad, 
you know, he, he was not a good guy. You know, at the, at the age of three years old, he actually committed murder and went to jail. And before that, he was an alcoholic. And, and so it's like some of the earliest experience that I had in life was literally him me, putting me up on a bar as a, as a toddler and pouring milk into a shot glass and everyone celebrating the fact that I was little Mikey like my dad. That's a little messed up. Am I right? That's a little messed up. Like you don't parent that way. But because of the way he lived his life without Jesus, there was no compass. There was no standard. There was no right and wrong. It was just like, it was funny that look, there's Mike and there's Mikey. He drinks the whiskey in the shot glass and he drinks the milk and one day he'll graduate to it too. And some of you in your life, you have these expectations put on you and people literally out of cuteness were like, oh, look, you're just like so-and-so and just like so-and-so in your family. And these expectations were put on you. Does someone know where I'm going with this today? Somebody's getting free today. And I think it's amazing because the mother had to actually conjure up the courage to override all the expectations of that community and to break down their little thing that was happening and saying, no, actually you guys messed up. And this is in in verse 59 and 60. It says, he is to be called John. But then they got the response and he said this, no one in your family is even named that. And it was their way of saying, that can't be because what you're saying is that there's another destiny for this baby that doesn't look anything like what's come before. And so as that was being revealed to them, it became very controversial and what should have been a celebration started to go a little crazy. And if you've ever had a family like mine, sometimes Christmas doesn't go down like Christmas in the movies. And it says here early on that they came and they celebrated with her, but there was a plot twist because now it was like, no, guys, I'm sorry. There's something else for this baby. And they were breaking the rules of society by saying, no, it's another name. And, they, and, and now the drama started. Get out the reality TV crew, right? And they said, okay, that's what mom says. Let's go over to dad. Let's go over to the person who has that, that priestly responsibility, somebody who has the authority to confirm this. And, and, and even there was a miraculous event that was happening before this where God was dealing with Zechariah about the destiny of his son. And, and so through that, there was this deafness, there was this blindness, there was like the, this thing that happened even physically. So they're signing to him now and saying, what do you say this child's name is? And, and it goes on to say this, and it, it's, it's amazing. Zechariah wrote on this tablet, says, no one in your family's named that. So they're like, what's the name? He wrote on this tablet and, and said, his name is John. And here's what I believe happened. I believe that there was a quiet that began to form in that room as they were patiently waiting for the reveal. Like what is gonna be the verdict on this child's destiny? And I believe that there was like this moment as they waited for, for Zachariah as he's writing on this tablet, what's it gonna be? And I'm here to tell you this morning that there is some destiny that's been placed on your life, some expectations, and now you've come into this place. And you know, it's awesome to have pastors who love you. It's awesome to have spiritual parents who are willing to say, no, 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 no. 
I don't care what you came in with, and I don't care what they call you, but I've got a tablet in my hand right now, and I'm getting ready to reveal who you really are. And when I turn this tablet around, you're going to discover what you should have already known and experienced in your life already. And I'm going to silence the neighbors who are nosy, and I'm going to silence the people who, even with good intentions, put the wrong expectation on you. And I'm going to silence and shut up all the people who think they know you because they knew your family and think they know you because they knew their past. But there is something new that's getting ready to be written on the tablet today for your life. And there are some people in this place that have even been in churches with leadership where they have written the wrong name on the tablet to suit their need and what they wanted you to be and what they wanted you to do. And they used you, but the vision at this church is to help you realize and reach your potential in Christ. Because guess what? It would have been awesome for Zachariah to have another son walking around doing the priestly duties with him, wouldn't it? It had another one of him, a little mini-me, a little minion, to do everything he wanted to do. But he was selfless in the fact that he said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done, God, for this life, even if it doesn't directly meet my needs. And guess what? Even if you come to me and never directly meet my needs, I have to love you with the kind of love that says I'm willing to give you your real destiny, not the one I want to give you. And any leader in your life who's not willing to write your real name down on a tablet and remind you of it every single day is not one you want to submit your life to. And I am stupid and I get it wrong, but you better believe I'm before God. What do you have for Tim? Because I don't want to miss it, God. What do you have for Raina? Because I don't want to give him the wrong thing, God. And you know, he's faithful every single time to tell me and to, and to bring wise counsel to say, this is what it is. And if you're at V1 Church, we're talking about I heart my church. You need an Elizabeth and a Zachariah who will silence the crowd and say, I'm about to show you the real name. And it is not going to look like anything you've ever seen before. Is that all right? And you can take the note they left on your car and throw it away. And we do get a little excited here. Somebody told me the other day, they were like, I love it when you do that Baptist thing where you get all excited. <laughs> Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, 21. And many of you know this. I'm gonna read it from the message version. It says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church, in the movie theater, on Long Island. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory to God, all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. Glory to God. And so here's my, my thought for you today. You do not have big dreams. God has big dreams. You think that you have big dreams. Some of you in this, in this room right now, you do not have big dreams. Your definition of big is happening within finite. His definition of big is happening inside of infinity. And what he has for you is far greater than you can ever think or imagine. And so my job is to give that and transmit it to you today and not allow you to be typecasted. You know, some people in this room, you've been typecast, literally like you are the Samuel L. Jackson of your family. You, you have a role that you play and, and it's the same role. You're the Keanu Reeves of your family. It's like you, Keanu Reeves is the same character in every movie. 
the Nicolas Cage. You are the Nicolas Cage of life right now. And you're trying so hard to break out of that typecast. And you have leaders who are like, oh, I think that I know what they can and can't do. And you've got to be careful getting around me because I am a pusher. I will push you out of the plane without a parachute. I'll throw the microphone in your hand like a grenade. (laughs) Because we realize that you've got something in you and we validate that. And God wants to help cultivate it here in this church. And so you've got to come back every week and you've got to allow that process to happen to you in your life. And I love my church because it's this weekly reminder of who I really am. It's a weekly reminder and I need that because if you're like me, you forget who you are. You know, there was a time in my life where, you know, and I, I had those moments where I was being called by another name and there was some truth behind it. I, I think that the, that the truth overrides, the truth of God overrides the truth of this world. And, and it's funny because this life that we've been talking about the whole time in Luke chapter one, do you know who it was? John the Baptist. And his destiny was to make the way for Jesus, the Messiah. And it was, it was some bold parents who said, we're willing to look stupid and contradict all of culture to declare what God is declaring over this life. And literally that boy became a man that was a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way. And so as I am bold enough and Julie's bold enough to be those spiritual parents in this house and to say the things that aren't as though they are, all of a sudden you better watch because as maturity comes into the life of people who are still dealing with some stuff now, but as the maturity sets in, you're gonna have these voices crying in the wilderness here on Long Island, prepare the way, get ready because life is coming to this neighborhood. Get ready because life is coming to this house. Get ready because life is coming to this region. And I want everyone in this room to know something today. You have two pasts. And and you know, there's the one that you remember, and then there's the one that only God remembers. And let me explain that, okay? There's a past that I have where, where maybe even only my mom and my biological father remember that past, but there's one that even goes deeper than that. See, the Bible says that, and he said this to Joshua, he said, like, before you're even in your mother's womb, I knew you. And so you have this second past, and it's a past before culture. It's a past before you said coffee like coffee and not coffee like it's supposed to be said. It's a past that's, that goes deeper than even your memories because he said, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. You know, there was this moment with Alex Demo and we were baptizing them and the baby's still in the womb and it's like, I, it's a husband and, and wife baptism that we're doing off of Jones Beach. And there was this moment where I was on Alex's side and as I just dunked him into the water, there was like this half second where I looked through the water and I looked at his eyes closed and I seen his face. And there was this stillness in that moment where it was like the symbolism of him being dead and being brought back to life. And, and it was such a powerful moment about this destiny that was on Alex's life and how God was calling him to be a godly husband and, and be a man of God in a region that doesn't have a lot of men of God. And and so some of you in this place need to understand that you have two pasts. And so counseling can deal with the past that you remember, but only God can deal with the past that only he remembers. And what I mean by that is there is a destiny that's on your life that is between you and him because before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. 
And you need spiritual parents to help hold up that tablet and remind you. But you also need an encounter with God where the Holy Spirit speaks into your ear and says, this is who you really are. And you know it. And I know it. And it's time to walk into it. And so what I want to close on today is it's time to commit to your real name. It's time to commit to your real name. It's time to let go of what was. It's time to let go of their expectations. It's time to let go of of the things that you've done that's confirmed that name. And so as you just stand to your feet now, and I want to share one last story with you as we kind of prepare, because I believe that God wants to do something here before we we get out of this place today. And just stand to your, your feet and so you have little Mike Signorelli doing shots of milk <laughs> because my dad and his expectations and who he was was on me. And then, and then you have grown man Mike Signorelli. Now fast forward and my biological father is dead. And it's just me and I'm struggling, man. And, I, and I'm actually serving at a church as a pastor. And there was this day where I was like, I don't want to be fake anymore. Like I've got stuff going on in my life and I'm not going to pretend like everything's okay. And I'm not going to just say all the good Christian things that makes everyone shout. I'm going to be real and I'm just going to go in and I'm going to confess everything that's happened in my life to the lead pastor, knowing that it makes me fireable. Like you can't work at a church and not have a standard, right? Like, come on. There's an expectation that if you're going to be a pastor, there's a certain standard you should have for your life. And I was so depressed and I was going through so much that I began to slip back in to abusing alcohol. And I found my refuge in, in literally shutting my mind off. And I was like, alcohol is just this retreat. It's this escape. My mind is always working. I'm going to shut it down. And that began to lead into this lifestyle of closeted sin where I would begin to drink and drink and drink. And now it was deteriorating my life. And so I said, I'm going to walk in. And so I walked into that pastor's office and I said, I'm just going to lay it all out here. And I'm telling you right now, what I'm about to confess to you as a pastor to the lead pastor makes me fireable. And you know, when you drop that kind of bomb on your boss, that's a bad day for your boss. And I said, right now, because of all these things in my life, and I just feel like I have not been able to get that last level of freedom. I know it in my head. I know what the cross does in my head. I know it as knowledge, Like, but I feel like I have not embraced the fullness of the cross. I feel like I have not embraced the fullness of that freedom, and I'm drinking. I'm closeted drunk. I'm trying to lead people here, but I'm literally losing my mind, and I have reverted back to that Mike Signorelli of the expectations and lifestyle of my father, and there was this moment of silence where my pastor looked me in the eyes and he began to write on his tablet. And in that moment, there was a lot more evidence that I was a screw up. There was a lot more evidence. See, the story that we have of John the Baptist is the dude wasn't born yet. He didn't even have a chance to screw it up at Indiana University of Big Ten and go crazy and do keg stands. He didn't even have a chance to mess up yet. But you know what it's like for those of us who have had the chance and we blew it. For those of us who have had the grace of God in our life and we messed up. For those of us who who have been called and listened to these messages our entire life. For those of us who have come to church and we fall again and we fall again and we're like, I know it in my head. I could preach that message better than Pastor Mike can, but I can't be free like he's free. Today is your day.
because as I sat in that office with, with this pastor and I began to confess all my stuff, I was waiting for the verdict. And you know what that pastor did? He turned around the tablet and he, and he said, you are destined to be a lead pastor and I'm not firing you. We're gonna increase the accountability in your life and we are gonna drive this thing until you become who God's called you to be because I know your real name. And it was the grace of God that was released over my life that I can stand in front of you today, not worthy of it, but because of the grace of God, I was able to grab hold of something that in my natural strength I couldn't grab hold of, but I needed a spiritual father to say, you look like Mike Signorelli Sr., but you're gonna live like Mike Signorelli Jr. because you're called to do something different. And there's somebody in this place today that needs to know that you don't have to live and die like your dad before you. You don't have to live and die like your mother before you. You've got a new name in this place. And it takes somebody who's saying, no, the answer isn't to fire you. The answer isn't to excommunicate you. The answer isn't to let you lock you in a room and keep you at home. The answer is we're going to be all up in your business in the most loving way you ever had. You are never going to be alone. You ain't even going to have the chance to sin. Because at 3 in the morning, I'm going to pick you up from the club and give you a Gatorade and slap you in the face and tell you you are called and anointed for such a time as this. And I know your real name. Come on, what would it look like if we had a church in New York that had a ministry that went into the club and plucked them out? What would it look like in New York if you ran into somebody in the middle of adultery at the Starbucks having their first date with their girlfriend while the wife is at home at kids and you say, you know what? You've got a destiny on your life. Get up out of this mess and did it in love. What would it look like if we were that radical with our love? What would it look like if we reminded someone who they really were instead of the mess that we're doing? Because guess what? It doesn't take a genius to call out what you see with your natural eyes. It takes a legend to be able to call it out with the spiritual eyes. And so what God's calling you to do is not to be a critic, but to be a coach. And to say, I ain't here to criticize you, but I'm here to tell you you're called for more. Some of you don't even feel like you're called to more. So with every eye closed, let's deal with this name. Change right now. Because you've been called Zachariah. Man, I, I feel right now there's somebody in this place just with every eye closed that, see, Zachariah, his dad was actually a good man. But there's a difference between being good and great. And some of you, you're like, man, you know, my dad wasn't as messed up as Mike's dad. And I say, praise God for that. <laughs> but do you know there was a level of compromise and mediocrity in there in your dad's life that God's saying that comfort level is not for you either. And you're not getting out of this one either. And God's got something for you. There's someone in this place who just feels like, man, there is no evidence of this second past where God knew me before I was in my mother's womb because all I've done is mess it up with every shot I've been given. And you know today's your day to say, I need somebody to turn that tablet and reveal my true name. And I'm telling you, today is your day. So here's what I wanna do. With every eye closed, Here's the secret. Jesus reveals to you who he really is when you first reveal to him who you really are. So when you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, 
and you come clean about what you really are instead of hiding behind the veil and acting like it's not that bad and you say, God, I'm just letting it all loose right now. You're going to have your way. Yes, it was a moment of vulnerability that I had where my true name was revealed to me by that pastor. And so when you come out with who you really are, Jesus said, I'm going to come out with who I really am. And that's why prostitutes, that's literally whores, had a better revelation of who Jesus was because they could be more honest about what they really were. And so fakers don't get to meet the real Jesus. There's got to be a moment of vulnerability where you're like, I'm done pretending. And that is actually the greatest moment of salvation you're ever going to encounter. And so if you're here right now, like Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and say it out of your mouth, you and believe it in your heart that, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved and you will receive that new name and brand it on your heart. If you're in this place and you're saying that's me, with every eye Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.